So for the next of the Catapult High Performance Practitioner interviews, we've got Tim Cable with us. Uh, Tim, Professor Tim Cable is the Director of Sports Science for the Aspire Academy in Qatar. Welcome Tim, thanks very much for joining me. Nice to be here. Good. I think an easy opening question, I hope an easy opening question would be quite simply, I'd be, I'd be interested just for you to give me a little bit of an overview, an outline as to the role that you, you've taken on over there. Okay, so um, I'm Director of Sports Science at the Academy and the Academy's uh, mission is to be the global reference for the development of youth athletes by 2020. Um, so um, what we're trying to achieve there is put in building blocks um, with coaches and sports scientists around our elite youth junior athletes and how we milestone them to representation for the state of Qatar in senior championships that include world juniors, world youths, and indeed onto international competition like the Olympics. And so what my job is, is to build a team of sports science that supports the coach and the athlete to put in place systems and benchmarking structures to provide the evidence base that we will be able to say in 2020 that we are the global reference for the development of elite junior athletes. So that's by 2020, and you've been in post now for three years. Uh, in your view, are you are you on target for that? And it's quite a quite a lofty goal, really, uh, yeah. to be the global benchmark. Would you say you're on target for that? Uh, I think we are. Um, my initial role when I went there was to to build in to recruit the team of sports scientists. Um, so when I first got there, there were 14 sports scientists. We now have a team of 37. So I've recruited those people from um, around the globe. So it's a multicultural um, team. Uh, our vision within our department is to be um, the best applied sports science department in the development of youth athletes. Um, so we built the team. We're now building the culture um, all on one mission. Um, and we're, provide, we're trying to build now the evidence base with the benchmarking statements to, to get us that, to that lofty ambition. So one of the things we're starting to do now is to write, um, critique ourselves, write self-evaluation documents on the way that we provide sports science support for throws or sports science support for sprints or endurance. Um, that's um, an interdisciplinary, a multidisciplinary document in how we provide support to the coach and the athlete. And that support comes from psychology, from biomechanics, strength and conditioning, from biochemistry, from physiology, from nutrition and from physio. And then what we're doing is we're having external experts come in and evaluate us against our own self-evaluation document to provide um, some quality management, some quality enhancement statements so that we can constantly renew and refresh what we're doing. And then um, we, we hope that by 2020, all those benchmarking statements, all those self-assessment documents and our review of them and um, our quality enhancement of what we do will provide the evidence to support that statement. And then the other thing we're trying to do is um, have us as the external examiners for other high-performance institutes around the world 
if you yeah. see what I'm saying. So we're, we're, the, we're, we're the benchmarkers that then go in and perform some sort of audit on other high-performance sports institutes because they want us to come in. So we hope that those sort of metrics will allow us to say, you know, we're somewhere close to being the global reference in the development of elite junior athletes. And what, you, what you're describing there is obviously quite a fluid sort of ecosystem within the organisation, yet you did mention a word there which seems to be a very current um, word used by a lot of these organisations, which is, which is culture yeah. and the development of a culture. And I'm guessing that it's, it's even more difficult for yourselves to develop a culture because, as you said, you've recruited some of the best brains from around the globe. So you're 30-odd 30, 30 nationalities coming into the same place, mm. living within the Qatari culture, but yeah. actually trying to create your own sort of microculture within, within Aspire. Is that proving to be a challenge? It, it is a challenge. Um, so if you think that... Um, our athletes, um, by and large, come from Qatar. There's some athletes that come from Egypt. There's some athletes that come from Somalia and Eritrea. Um, so so the, the, the athletes that we work with um, from age 12 to 18, which again is a different cultural aspect, um, you know, they, they have their own defined culture and their own mores and um, the way that they've been brought up and the environment that they live in. So we have to be respectful of, of, of all that. Um, and as you say, we've, we're multinational. So the coaches are multinational. And the sports science team is multinational. So the way we go about trying to build a, a culture is start um, in small building blocks. So we have um, a small support team that we wrap around the athlete. So we, we talk in terms of target athletes. So we might be working with 120 junior athletes in Olympic sports, but we have around about 16 athletes that we think are gonna make it somewhere. So we call them target athletes. And around each of those target athletes, we wrap the coach and the lead sports scientist. So, so that's our unit. The lead sports scientist then corrals the other elements of sports science that that coach sports science lead think need to be wrapped around the individual athlete. And so that's the culture that we wrap around the athlete. Uh, they're focused on the targets for those athletes. So each, each of our target athletes has specific targets. So it might be that we're targeting some of these boys to represent the state of Qatar in 2019 at the IAAF World Championships in Doha or we're targeting them for um, Olympic qualification in Tokyo 2020, so they're long-term targets. Uh, we know what they need to look like as an 800 meter runner or whatever um, for 19 or 20 and we're working backwards to fill the gaps, the gap analysis. But the cultural aspect is that that group to a person and working on that shared vision yeah. and they have to communicate to get to that shared vision they have to be very planned and rigorous in their planning across that four-year cycle so it's very target focused um, that's revised on a monthly basis yeah. um, in a support meeting um, but that's the way we're trying to build the culture you know driving towards that vision and then that vision builds into the global vision of the academy. I should just say that um, 
you know, the academy is not, not just about um, the development of the elite junior athlete. What it's also about um, is building its own global reputation as a centre of excellence. So a centre of excellence not only in the development of athletes and not only in the provision of sports science but also a centre of excellence in terms of the processes and procedures that is developed and adopted that we hope will be the benchmark for other institutions around the world. So you're trying to, you know, you're trying to build this, uh, this institution that um, understandably you want to be the global leaders but to get to that point I'm guessing that you've got to get outside of the four walls and go and have a look at what's going on elsewhere. Just out of interest, where, where, where exactly are you looking at the moment uh, for guidance, for um, a picture of uh, you know, those people that are actually leading the world at this very point in time? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question and, and I should also um, you know, infer that we, we have a couple of streams in the academy. You, know, you, you wouldn't be surprised to know we have a very strong football theme yeah. um, which has a focus of building the team for 2022 which will be Qatari based um, and, and filled with Qatari players and we have the, the Olympic individual types of sports so um, you know from the football world um, we employ experts from around the globe from around the big programs that exist yeah. in academy based structures um, and my colleague, Prof. Valter de Salvo, has been very successful in um, building um, the Aspire Fellows, which um, collectively works with a group of 50 top teams in the world to knowledge share, um, not, not only for, for us to share knowledge or take knowledge from them and return knowledge, but share knowledge amongst each other, and that's working very yeah. effectively. And then we have the same philosophy in Olympic type sports. So we've, for example, we've recently founded um, an organization called Asia, which stands for Association of Sports Institutes in Asia. So that's knowledge sharing from the 47 institutes in the Middle East, um, in Asia and in Southeast Asia. So those are our, our references. Um, the other reference we have is by pulling employees in from esteemed organisations that have a large history and a long pedigree in delivering these sorts of programmes to elite athletes. Just focusing in then more specifically on if you like sports science and the role of sports science within the Aspire Academy. I mean you mentioned that I think you said uh, you've got 37 sports scientists employed there. in the UK at the moment, there's a lot of questions being asked about, particularly in football, whether sports science is almost a monster that's out of control. And there's, there's a lot of people of a mind that actually um, it, it is a resource that operates according to a law of diminishing returns. So yes, for the initial investment, you will get a large return, but the more that you more money that you throw at sports science, perhaps relatively speaking, there's less and less of a return to be seen. Mm. I wonder what your thoughts are with regards to uh, that particular way of thinking. I, I mean, I think it's a valid question. Um, you, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports scientist from a long way back, as you well know. From an educational perspective, you know, we are in the UK, you know, we're graduating 10,000 sports scientists a year 
out yeah. into the workplace. You know, they're not all focused and can't be all focused on elite sport because the job opportunities aren't necessarily there for that flood into the marketplace. Um, there, there is a very strong place for sports science in elite sport. There's a very strong place for sports science in physical activity and exercise and health and, and disease prevention. In, in elite sport, there has to be, I think that the thing is, there has to be a real question as to why you're using the sports science. Yeah. So are you, are you using the sports science to identify the talent? Are you using the sports science in the process of talent support? Are you using the sports science in the, in the process of talent development? Or are you across all of that pathway, which you probably are, and then I think it's, you know, whether you're talking about a team sport or an individual sport, it's, you, you know, what are the key questions that the coach and the athlete need answering? And I think if you can justify the existence of various aspects of sports science around that coach-athlete team nexus, there's a very strong justification for using the sports science. But I wouldn't be just using the sports science just for the sake of using the sports science. There has to be a very strong rationale and that's really, really important because if, if that doesn't exist, um, there's no coach buy-in yeah. uh, or there's no player buy-in. So the coach needs to request the sports science support and needs to understand fundamentally why it's been undertaken and then, and then the athlete needs to understand what's happening as well. So. Yes, there is a place for um, sports science in elite sport, but it needs to be tempered and focused on the specific goals of the team or the individual. One final question, which um, I'm sure that um, you folks at Aspire are experiencing what we're seeing over here in, in a lot of our team sports, which is a, an explosion in the amount of information that we've been able to generate, and in particular the amount of data that we're generating and possibly the capacity of people to deal with and handle and analyze and make meaningful in, uh, assumptions and inferences from that information hasn't developed at the rate of the data generation. I don't know whether you're seeing anything similar to that in Aspire or whether you're actually investing heavily in those people who do have that specific capacity to be able to make meaningful inferences from, yeah. from data. Yeah, it's a great question, uh, you know, especially in the, the world we live in at the moment where technology is advancing so fast, it's very hard to keep up with it, um, particularly from a resourcing perspective. You know, we, we have eons of data in, in, in Aspire from 10 years of activity in this place, you know. So one of the things, for example, that we're trying to understand, um, we go out and test 11, every 11 year old boy in the country and have done so for the last 10 years. So we've got a data set of like 60,000 boys. And we're trying to apply algorithms to that data set that will allow us to predict future performance. And I'm not sure we're ever gonna get there with that, you know, those, yeah. those real complex questions. But I think that, so what you're really asking about is, you, you know, is there too much data? And I think there probably is. Um, and I need. I think it needs to be focused down on, and again, on the important question. You know, so for example, you know, we can have eons of data around the monitoring of training load or competition load. Um, 
and, and that fundamentally boils down to one question. Can this player train today at this intensity? So we need to manage the data in a, in a way that gives us a yes or no answer. And I think that's the important thing for the future. You know, simple, keep it simple. Yes. yes, yes, okay, the scientist, the analyst can deal with all that data, but it has to be translated to the simplicity of yes or no. That's the answer to the question. And I think that's a, that's a great message to close with. So, yeah, distilling everything down to a message that coaches and athletes understand yeah, otherwise, is what we should all be about. Otherwise, it's meaningless. Absolutely. Yeah. Tim, thanks very much for your time. I know cool. you're a busy person. Thank thanks you. Thanks a lot. You can go get on with your coffee now. Cheers.